You're listening to the Scotiabank Market Points Podcast. I'm your host, Greg White. Market Points is part of the Knowledge Capital series, a collection of audio, video, and written commentary from Scotiabank Global Banking and Markets leaders designed to provide you with timely insights and analysis. 2020 was the most surreal year many of us have ever experienced. Meanwhile, the Canadian dollar seemed to behave normally, which is, of course, an extremely Canadian thing to do. Here in 2021, global economies have some heavy lifting ahead. But what should we expect from currencies? For our first episode of 2021, we welcome back Sean Osborne, Managing Director and Chief Currency Strategist at Scotiabank, to find out what may be in store for the U.S. and Canadian dollars. Sean, Happy New Year and welcome back to the podcast, first guest of the year. Thank you, Greg. Happy New Year to you. None of us really expected 2020 to go uh, the way it did, certainly at the beginning <laughs> of last year. Um, what about, uh, you know, your area of expertise, of course, is, is currencies. What about the Canadian dollar? What was its behavior through this, uh, through this strange year? Well, in, uh, in some ways, 2020 was, um, was an unremarkable year for the Canadian dollar. And I know that sounds a little odd in the context of uh, the volatility that we saw in March when the U.S. dollar appreciated rapidly to the 146 area and then unwound uh, very quickly a lot of those gains. But, um, but just hear me out here. I say unremarkable for uh, a couple of reasons. Firstly, because the pattern of trade overall for the Canadian dollar, uh, that's to say the U.S. strength that we saw in the early part of the year, uh, followed by the CAD strong recovery through the middle of the year and into Q3 especially, was very much in keeping with the, the kind of seasonal pattern of trade that we see in the Canadian dollar. When we look at the average performance of the currency on an annual basis over the past 30 years, it was very much almost point for point um, in keeping with that, uh, that profile. And unremarkable perhaps for a second, um, a second consideration, because when we look at the year overall, uh, measuring from the start of January to the end of December, the CAD was actually very little changed against a generally weak US dollar, despite ranging between 146, that high point, and 126, the low of the year. Well, that's between 68 cents and 78 cents US roughly. So last year overall, the CAD rose um, just a little more than 1.5% against the US dollar, which was um, actually the worst performing G10 currency against a, a very weak looking US dollar for 2020 overall. It lagged its commodity peers, the Australian dollar, which rose nearly 10% against the US dollar, and the New Zealand dollar, which rose around 7%, as well as the euro, which uh, which gained around uh, 10% itself over the course of the year. So the CAD um, even underperformed uh, the pound sterling, which uh, for much of the year was trading under the cloud of uh, Brexit pessimism. So it was really um, uh, an odd year, despite um, an odd, unremarkable year for the Canadian dollar, despite all the uh, the volatility that we saw in uh, in markets around, uh, around FX. So what was really behind that that lag in the Canadian dollar then? Why wasn't it performing alongside that that other basket against the dollar? I, I think the CAD had a hard time sort of detaching itself from um, the North American um, narrative. And by that, I mean the, the US dollar. Uh, in a way, it got lumped in with a broader market bearishness that uh, dragged the dollar down, uh, mainly because I think there was nothing too remar- remarkable going on here domestically to make uh, the Canadian dollar stand out. The Australian dollar and New Zealand dollars, by contrast, benefited from the rebound that we saw in the Asian economies pretty quickly after the COVID situation settled down there. China recovered very strongly uh, from March, April onwards uh, from its COVID-19 experience. The strong gains in industrial and precious metals uh, prices especially were supportive for the Australian dollar 
um, as well, for example. The euro, meanwhile, was boosted by clear signs that investors were moving away from the US dollar um, denominated assets and into uh, arguably perhaps under-owned and better value uh, European equity markets. And that's a trend that appears to be continuing um, as we speak and move into the new year. And meanwhile, there were some distinct headwinds for the CAD, I'd say, early on uh, last year. For example, uh, the low and, and even very briefly negative oil prices uh, certainly had an impact on uh, perhaps the perception of the Canadian dollar um, for investors in the early part of this year. And also the market volatility around uh, the COVID-19 situation weighed on risk sentiment and helped lift the US dollar generally in the early part of the year. The reality is, though, that the CAD spent most of the year trading at a quite significant discount to our estimate of fair value. Um, it, it maintained about a one standard deviation below fair value uh, for close to three quarters of the year, according to our modeling. That undervaluation is corrected. Um, so uh, we see the, GAD, the CAD gains uh, more recently, bringing it more in line to fundamental fair value. But um, it's taken a bit of time to catch up with that, I'd say. Going back for a moment, just to the the comment about sort of it, uh, the Canadian dollar uh, behaving along seasonal trends, what what forces in a in a year of such uncertainty, what forces were at play that allowed it to still behave in a, in an expected way? Um, it, I, <laughs> I'd say it was um, unexpectedly expected. I think given the, the given the volatility that um, that we saw, it was quite surprising to see that that pattern play out. It's it's been very consistent. Um, over the last 25 to 30 years, where we see usually the US dollar uh, strengthen in the first quarter, the best period of the year for the Canadian dollar tends to be um, the middle of the year, the second and third quarters, especially. And then we see we tend to see the US dollar correct a little bit into, into the tail end of the year. That, that middle of the year period, um, which is typically the best um, period of the year for the Canadian dollar performance-wise, generally reflects um, a rebound in energy prices. Energy prices tend to strengthen seasonally as well. Um, as we move into the middle of the year, that reflects uh, increased demand for refined product as the US driving season typically gets underway, less so perhaps this year. But um, uh, we did see a rebound in, in energy prices um, from those very low and even negative, um, um, very briefly negative rates that we saw for front month futures in crude oil uh, around March. So. The seasonality um, in both commodity markets and, and how that translates into the sort of seasonal effect to some extent on currencies uh, did persist this year, despite um, despite the broader market volatility that we saw and the uncertainty that uh, that created in uh, in other markets. OK, well, let's leave 2020 behind, as I'm sure many of us want to do and uh, <laughs> look forward to to this year. Uh, how do you expect the various global economic recoveries will play out uh, in the currency markets. We, we've had a, a pretty big move in, in FX markets um, in the past um, few weeks, in the past few months. Um, but, uh, you know, we tend to look at these things in, in terms of uh, sort of calendar years. And we generally expect uh, 2021 to um, to see the US dollar remain relatively, uh, relatively soft. The sell-off in the dollar did accelerate quite sharply in the latter part of last year. And it has left the dollar... Um, in fact, trading close to where we thought we would be at the end of 2021. So we do have to uh, go back and uh, take a look at our, our forecasts uh, to reflect that um, uh, that rather rapid sell-off, quicker sell-off than we, we had expected. Um, even so, I don't expect the trend to, to change really for the dollar because the broader fundamental outlook that we base that view on, that dollar bearish view on, 
uh, is unlikely to change in any significant way. The dollar will remain soft because we think um, growth and interest rate differentials between US and other large industrialized economies are narrowing and will likely remain relatively narrow. Historically, and we've talked about this previously in, in podcasts historically, when we've seen uh, these sorts of uh, situations in the past, investors tend to look beyond the US dollar and US financial markets for better investment returns and opportunities. And we've seen that already, um, as I mentioned a moment ago, with um, investors in the US moving more assets into European equities, and that's driven the euro or helped drive the euro uh, higher over the past few months. I think the US dollar could benefit from an increase in market uncertainty. If we were to see that, it will retain that safe haven or liquidity haven characteristic that we saw emerge prominently mostly in in March, but we generally expect the broad investment environment to remain relatively calm and quite benign because global monetary policy and fiscal policy settings are poised to remain extremely relaxed through the coming year at least. We have heard some grumbling about the weak dollar and the risk uh, that the strong Canadian dollar could undermine our exporter base here in Canada, but I think those concerns are probably somewhat overstated at the moment. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the CAD strength that we have seen uh, overall was really quite limited despite the volatility. Um, and perhaps more importantly, I think it's notable that the last two recoveries from recession that we've seen in the US have been accompanied by a weaker US dollar. If a weaker US dollar facilitates a US economic recovery, I think that's a price that other large economies might be willing to pay. I think problems generally arise with exchange rates when currency trends become extremely disorderly and volatile. And that's not the case, at least, uh, with the dollar decline uh, at this point. And we expect it to remain a relatively uh, slow burn affair, a fairly gentle decline uh, over the course of the coming 12 months. Do you think there's a long-term a long-term trend at play with respect to what's been happening to the dollar through our various recessions and recoveries over the past few years, and then thinking about how this may continue into the future as the economy ebbs and flows? I, I certainly think there is a longer term uh, kind of secular trend in the dollar that's been pretty persistent um, over the last 30 or 40 years, essentially since the end of, of Bretton Woods in the, uh, in the 1970s. Uh, we can look back at um, the history of the dollar and we can see these alternating waves um, of relative weakness and strength that persist for quite sustained periods of time, but average out um, fairly clearly, fairly fairly consistently to around about eight years in terms of the length of, of those uh, those cycles. And that's been one of the reasons why, um, over the last few years at least, our, our underlying bias towards the dollar has been to expect um, uh, the dollar to soften because in 2016, 2017, we saw the peak of the last dollar bullish cycle turn and reverse. Um, and we did expect um, the next few years to be essentially shaded by a tendency towards um, towards dollar weakness. And that appears to be what is playing out here, this longer term secular trend um, towards uh, not necessarily a, um, a significant weakening in the dollar, but certainly a softer profile against its major currency peers. And what about the new U.S. administration, of course, in spite of the very uh, unfortunate events at the U.S. Capitol? Uh, Joseph Biden will be the next president of the United States. And he will be bringing along with him a brand new administration. So what will you be watching for from the currency perspective? Um, that's um, that's uh, that's uh, that's going to that's going to be an interesting, um, interesting um, issue, I think, over the next uh, few weeks. We, as I say, we think we generally expect the, the dollar to continue to uh, weaken um, in in the coming year. I think expectations have adjusted 
uh, to some extent. Investors are underweight the dollar now. They have the short dollar position on to some extent. And the bad news uh, for the US dollar, I think, is is largely priced in. Um, the story of low rates and sluggish growth, I think, is, is well discounted into the dollar um, at this point. Downside risks for the dollar, I think, do revolve around the economic outlook and policy framework. Um, and that's going to be important, I think, for markets to judge and assess over the next few weeks as the new administration uh, comes in. If growth in the US were to disappoint more and the new administration adopts a more aggressive fiscal policy or the Fed moves to ease policy again, uh, the dollar may well uh, weaken. I think there will be some focus on the new Treasury Secretary. Um, we assume that will be um, President-elect Biden's pick, Janet Yellen, the former head of the uh, uh, Federal Reserve. I think given the soft dollar tone that we've seen emerge in the past few months, markets are going to be particularly keen to see if Yellen chooses to dust, dust off the strong dollar, in air quotes, mantra that has been a part of the Treasury Secretary's toolkit essentially since the mid-1990s. This turn of phrase has been employed with varying degrees of enthusiasm by various Treasury Secretaries since the Clinton era. And it is more than just a token comment. It doesn't necessarily prevent the US dollar from weakening, but it does help reassure foreign investors that US dollar weakness will not turn into a rout, which could undermine the broader stability of the Treasury market. And that's going to be a key consideration uh, for this new administration, given the level of fiscal um, uh, balances that uh, the US is running at the moment. That was Sean Osborne, Managing Director and Chief Currency Strategist at Scotiabank. You can now find Scotiabank's Market Points on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And we want to hear from you. Please rate and review the show. Your feedback helps us improve the content we create for you. You'll find more thought-leading content on our website, gbm.scotiabank.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at ScotiabankGBM, as well as our LinkedIn showcase page under Scotiabank Global Banking and Markets. Please refer to our legal disclosures on our website. I'm Greg White. Thanks for listening.